This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Bogdan Pechichiko Hashteu sobbed in his study. His desk shook under his grief-stricken weight. He looked through tear-stained eyes at the portrait he'd commissioned of his daughter, Yulia. She was frowning. Well, that's odd, thought Bogdan. He wiped the tears from his eyes and looked at the portrait again. Yulia was frowning. When he'd had the portrait painted, she was smiling. A nice, soft grin. And now, the painting had changed. He stared into Yulia's eyes, hoping to see something. A flicker of movement drew his gaze down to notice that Yulia's hand, originally folded across her lap, was now pointing. He could swear she was pointing at his quill pen, resting in his ink. As he looked closer, he noticed that the quill shook almost imperceptibly. As Bogdan reached out, the pen's movement grew rapid, with little flecks of ink flying from the bottle. Bogdan hesitated. He looked at Yulia's portrait again. Her face was now stern. She needed him to take it. Bogdan gulped, then touched the pen. A cold hand grasped his arm, and his vision went black. He called out to Yulia, but heard only a deep, raspy breath. His spine crawled, until suddenly he was back in his study. He looked at his desk and found pages upon pages of drawings, blueprints, and floor plans, peppered with religious and occult symbols Bogdan had never seen before. A blotchy and ink-spilled drawing of a goat's head with glowing eyes hung at the center. And below the goat were big, bolded letters. Build. He glanced at Yulia's portrait. She was smiling again. Welcome to Haunted Places on the Parcast Network. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to Yulia Hashdeyu Castle, a monument that houses the spirit of a child prodigy who died young. And discover why, to this day, it's haunted. Listen to more episodes of Haunted Places, as well as podcasts, other podcasts, on your favorite podcast directory. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, on Twitter, at Parcast Network, and at Parcast.com. Many of you have asked how you can support Haunted Places. 
If you enjoy the show, the best way to support us is to leave a five-star review wherever you listen. Pine trees and two-story houses make up most of the neighborhoods of Campina, Romania, a town with 32,000 people and a 500-year history. Some of that history is found behind a wrought iron fence on a street like any other. But just beyond the fence is something rather strange, a very small castle. The Yulia Hashdeu Castle can be described as a folly house or a house that was built to look like something else entirely. In this case, its brick and mortar walls and ornate decoration make the Yulia Hashdeu Castle look like a miniature version of the castles of old. It possesses one central tower that stands three stories tall and two smaller towers directly to each side. While its architecture implies a regal purpose, the decor suggests it was built for much more spiritual purposes. The giant stone slab of a front door is flanked by two statues of sphinxes, and the triangular, all-seeing eye of God is carved into the stone above the door. All the steps are built in sets of threes and sevens, and the rooms follow this same numerology. Inside, the central tower houses a large statue of Jesus, staring up at an intricately painted dome. The walls are lined with occult symbols, and the basement has three rooms, one of which is completely shut off from the light and built exclusively for performing seances. The castle was built in 1896 by noted Romanian linguist Bogdan Petricico Hashteu, and the plans for the castle came from a morbid source, the ghostly writings of his deceased 18-year-old daughter, Iulia. Bogdan built the castle to house and commune with her spirit. The occult designs naturally worried some people during its construction. Vasile did not mind the work of a day laborer. He was not young anymore, but he remained fit enough to heave stones and wield a hammer. He thought in a lifetime of work, he had built a little of everything. Homes, shops, churches. But something was different this time. The professor had told the laborers they were building a temple, but there were several oddities about the plans. One massive room, sealed away from the light of day did not seem to be a temple to God. Vasile was a religious man. When he looked at the floor plan, it looked nothing like an Orthodox church, and the statues artisans carved of sphinxes and eyeballs looked nothing like the statues of saints you would see at a monastery. He was concerned that they were committing idolatry, so he asked a local priest to visit the site with him at night when there would be no workers. He intended to confess his sins and quit the job if the priest agreed. Vasile and the priest arrived on the site at dusk. The air felt sticky, thick, and oppressive. They descended into the pit and soon sensed that they were not alone. The wind whipped dust through the air, 
and the setting sun cast long shadows past the men. They walked past the partially constructed support pillars, deeper into the pit. As they stepped into the center of the hole, they heard whispers and caught glimpses of another world. A pale young woman flitted through their peripheries. Vasile turned to the priest to see him frozen in fear. He shouted, begging the priest to perform an exorcism. Slowly, as if emerging from an oppressive trance, the other man nodded. He stuttered out some words, but what came from the holy man's mouth only sounded like gibberish to Vasile. As the priest continued speaking, his words turned into a chant. Vasile trembled, helpless in the pit, hoping the minister could put these spirits to rest. A deep voice cut through the chanting. Have either of you ever lost someone you loved? The men turned to see the professor striding toward them. His neatly pressed clothing seemed untouched by the dust. His hair stood still in the wind. The priest raised his cross toward the professor, his arm stiff and trembling, as though he were trying to defend himself. The clergyman's garbled chanting continued. Bogdan walked toward them, repeating his question. Had they lost a loved one? Mosile tried not to think of her, but his mind conjured thoughts of Maria. His wife had died 10 years earlier when a bridge collapsed beneath her. Her head was dashed against the stones in her fall, and she drowned, unconscious, a sudden and senseless death. Something about the professor's tone was reassuring. He said they could try to speak to Maria here in this place tonight. The priest shook as he grabbed Vasile's shoulder spittle flying out of his mouth, shouting about the professor. Vasile noticed the spectral girl flit past once more. Someone's ghost was here. The professor saw Vasile's eyes flicker and told him that the specter was Yulia, the professor's daughter. He spoke to Yulia almost every night, and he assured Vasile that he could speak to Maria as well. The priest growled as he backed away slowly, urging Vasile to leave with him. But Vasile could only think of Maria, her soft hands, her loving voice, her tragic death. Vasile asked the professor what it would take to speak with her. The priest fled as the seance began. Vasile placed his hands in Bogdan's, closed his eyes, and waited for the spirit to arrive. The wind turned warm. A slight smell of sulfur entered Vasile's nostrils. The wind kept getting hotter and hotter, and Vasile started dripping sweat. It felt like he was standing in a furnace. His heart seized, as though it was being gripped in white-hot hands. With each beat, the scalding hands clenched tighter and tighter. He screamed in pain and tried to break from the professor's grasp, but the man held him still with uncanny force. The professor commanded Vasile to be still 
and keep his eyes shut if he wanted to leave this place unscathed. Vasile froze in terror, sure that he was soon to meet his demise. Then, Vasile heard a soft voice implore the professor to let him go. He obliged and released Vasile's hands. His wife had arrived. Vasile opened his eyes. He had felt a conflagration, but nothing in the area was burned. The only sign of fire were wisps of smoke that rose from the ground and then vanished into the night. His flesh was unharmed, though his whole body shook. The professor reached out and placed his finger against Vasile's forehead. Vasile blinked, and Maria appeared before him. Her eyes were dry and red. Physical cracks spread along their surface. Her skin looked like ash. Flakes of it broke from her body and drifted in the air. As she turned her head, a gap in her skull came into view. Pus-filled water dripped from the hole, and as she opened her mouth, a stream of mud and muck poured out from her throat with a moan. Her voice was pained, but Vasile knew it was Maria's. She asked him why. He stood, his own mouth agape. He didn't know what to say to her. He almost couldn't even look at her. She took a step toward him, and he backed away. Her face looked more hurt than it did before. She took another step, and Vasile turned and ran. Vasile fled the pit, mumbling Hail Marys in a desperate panic. He would never return to work again. Bogdan Petrichiko Hashdeu toiled to build the Yulia Hashdeu Castle from 1893 to 1896, claiming to have received the plans by communing with his deceased daughter, Yulia. It was intense labor, and it consumed all of Bogdan's substantial talents to complete it. He desperately hoped that completing the castle would allow him to achieve a stronger spiritual connection to the ghost of Yulia. One way or another, dead or alive, the father would ensure the daughter achieved her potential, whatever it cost him. Coming up, we'll see just what Bogdan sacrificed to glimpse just how far he would go to speak to his daughter again. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. As Bogdan worked on his castle, word of it spread to the surrounding areas. Some of the attention he attracted was positive. 
since he actively sought out men of letters and spirituality to help him on his quest. But his relationship with the locals and with the church was more complex and sometimes hostile. People spread rumors of ghostly happenings and several workers abandoned the project out of a sense of piety. Unconcerned by the opposition, Bogdan completed his castle, then embarked on a journey deep into the world of 19th century spiritism, approaching it as a subject of study. What did it mean to be alive or dead? And what did it take to cross that barrier? He gave it the same serious dedication he had applied to his academic work throughout his life. He had built an otherworldly monument. The castle was a temple, but also a living space, decorated with both Christian adornments and pagan symbols. He meant it to be a liminal space, existing between the worlds of the living and the dead. Bogdan performed many seances in his castle. The task of communicating with Yulia became the only thing Bogdan cared about for the rest of his life. In 1896, construction of the Yulia Hashdeu castle was completed, and Bogdan began regularly performing seances, inviting priests, philosophers, and spiritists to join him. The occult activity and presence of strangers persisted for several years in the small Romanian town of Campina, and the people grew to distrust Bogdan and his castle, sometimes acting out against him. Constantine's life had been simple once. He tended his fields by the banks of the Doftana River, as his father had done. But then he'd watch the Hashdeu castle go up. Just looking at it made Constantine uneasy. Something about the sad eyes of its owner haunted him, even more than the castle itself. Ever since its construction, strange folk had been seen about town. Some of them left looking pale as a sheet, legs trembling at what they'd seen inside. Many stayed in the local tavern long enough to drown their thoughts. Constantine finally worked up the courage to ask one stranger what it was that had shaken them so. At first, he refused to answer. Constantine, not usually one to be generous with his money, provided enough alcohol to loosen his tongue. The man said he was a painter from Budapest. He had heard that a great Romanian philosopher was trying to speak to the dead. He had made a pilgrimage here just to see the philosopher and offer to help. Maybe together they could decipher the messages from beyond. The philosopher had welcomed the painter's help and asked him to sit in on a seance and paint everything he saw. At that point in the story, the painter stopped talking and no amount of alcohol could get him to say more. But when the painter got up to relieve himself, Constantine rifled through his traveling bag. Inside, he found a canvas, rolled up and crumpled. Its entire surface was covered in oil of the deepest black. Constantine paid the tab and rushed for the door before the painter returned. 
Over the following days, he examined the canvas. The more he looked into it, the less he could understand. Shapes began to form in the darkness. Wicked, evil shapes with penetrating eyes. The painting awoke in his heart a primal, desperate fear. He stuffed the painting in his pillowcase and hid it in his closet. It unsettled him, but he didn't know what to do about it or if he should do anything at all. As he lay down to sleep, he heard a crash come from his closet. He opened the door to find his clothing in a pile on the floor and the painting dead center on top of that pile. He glimpsed a small ethereal hand reaching out of the inky black. He grabbed the painting and rolled it up. This thing had come from the castle. Whatever was happening there had to end. Constantine showed the painting to as many townsfolk as he could, decrying its evil powers, insisting he had seen it call a spirit from hell. He stirred the townsfolk into a collective terror and asked them if they wanted the dead to enter the land of the living. They took to the streets with torches and stood at the gates of the castle. The philosopher with sad eyes watched from inside the gates. His arms relaxed at his sides, unafraid. He asked Constantine what the gathered crowd wanted. Constantine replied that the philosopher's dark deeds, whatever they may be, must come to a stop. The sad-eyed man replied calmly that his work was conducted by the greatest minds of the age, all in the spirit of human inquiry. But Constantine had whipped the mob into a frenzy. Words were useless here. But rain, rain was always useful to a farmer like Constantine. It was a sign that God was listening, that he wanted the fires in the hearts and hands of the townspeople extinguished. The skies erupted, rain doused the torches, the people went home. The sad-eyed man watched as Constantine's crowd dispersed, fleeing the rain. It was over. But Constantine still needed answers. He threw his wet torch onto the stone steps and demanded again that the philosopher cease his evils. The sad-eyed man walked slowly toward him and opened the gate. He invited Constantine inside. Constantine found himself unable to decline. He blinked and found himself inside the dreaded castle. His host stoked a fire to dry out their wet coats. The philosopher, known to him now as Bogdan, seemed like a kind man, if strange and haunted. His anger was gone, replaced by a desire to understand. As if reading his mind, Bogdan asked if Constantine would like to know why the castle had been built. Constantine's reply got caught in his throat, but he nodded. In the seance room, Bogdan gave Constantine paper and a pen, instructing him to hold them and close his eyes, to only open them after his hand had written something. Constantine closed his eyes, as he was told. The light against his eyelids began to fade. 
it was getting darker in the room. Sounds swirled around him, whispers, moans, and otherworldly wails the likes of which he had never heard before. It took all his willpower, but he forced his eyes to stay shut. He felt his hand writing on the paper. Panic seized him, and he yanked his hand away. His heart pounded in his throat, but he kept his eyes closed, as he was told. He felt a stranger's hand close around his wrist, one finger at a time. The skin was soft and warm, and the small fingers did not reach all the way around his wrist. This was not Bogdan's hand. The small hand forced Constantine's arm back, wrenching it so suddenly that he stabbed a hole in the paper. He yelped with surprise, but tried not to resist. Somehow, he kept his eyes shut. Seemingly pacified, the spirit's hand unclenched from around his wrist. His hand resumed writing as it had done before. When it was finished, he opened his eyes. He was immediately confronted with a sense of dizzying vertigo. There was nothing beneath him, and all around him was darkness. Bogdan stood, still calm, before him, looking at the paper in Constantine's hand. Constantine read it. Why have you come here? You are not ready to understand, it said, written in a woman's handwriting. His hair stood on end, as it had when he looked at that painting. Bogdan pointed at the paper, indicating that Constantine should respond. In his own handwriting, Constantine replied that he was there to try to understand as best he could. He closed his eyes again and felt his hand wrench as the pen started writing again, guided by someone unseen. But she wasn't unseen, was she? In this strange place, she was everywhere. She was everything. She was in the stones, the chair, the man beside him, in the pen, in the paper, in Constantine. His heart leapt at that moment, a great pain skyrocketing through his dominant arm. He gasped hungrily for air, but couldn't seem to take anything in. And then... It changed. His hand wasn't his hand. The pain wasn't his pain. Though his eyes were closed, Constantine understood. This was Yulia's body. He was inhabiting her in the moment of her death, as she inhabited everything in this strange place. He didn't panic as Yulia's breath ceased in his throat. He waited, watched, for what would come next, for what she had to teach him. And what he saw next, through Yulia's eyes, was almost too beautiful to bear. He was back in the room. Everything was back to normal. He felt like he had spent hours dying in Yulia's body, but he knew that only a few seconds had passed. Constantine saw that he had balled up the paper inside his fist. He could not bring himself to look at it. 
Bogdan gently took his hand and coaxed the paper out of it. He unrolled it carefully, trying not to crease it. Constantine could not even look at Bogdan as Bogdan read it aloud. You must never forget. To those who did not understand Yulia, the castle was a symbol of danger and fear. They wondered if Bogdan's ultimate goal was to merge the two realms and open the doors to the dead. They worried what would happen should Bogdan succeed. By 1907, Bogdan was tired. He had been working in the castle now for more than 10 years, trying to reach beyond the veil to his beloved daughter. He had moments of success and long spells of failure that humbled and drained him. It was becoming clear that a single lifetime was not long enough to get all the answers. Every man has his breaking point. Bogdan shuffled into the seance room. The movement caused him physical pain, but he suffered through it. It was time for one last session. This one would not be attended by great thinkers or poets or conducted for an audience. This was just for him. In the room, surrounded by darkness, he waited, ready with his pen. He closed his eyes. Yulia was so close. He could almost hear her soprano voice singing cantos of her own composition, new cantos she had written in death. Her voice itched at the back of his mind, getting louder and louder until it drowned out everything else. Bogdan's heart stopped. Bogdan Hashdeu died from a heart attack on August 25th, 1907, sitting in his castle. Executors of Bogdan's estate came to repossess Bogdan's personal possessions, looted the castle, and left only the massive statue of Jesus. The castle crumbled, abandoned, as the world wars tumbled across Romania. On March 4, 1977, an earthquake brought the castle further ruin. After decades passed, the people of Romania were able to view the castle in a less sinister light. The Iulia Hashdeu Castle was declared a historical landmark, a monument to a tragic and beautiful story. The people who lived in its shadow gathered together to rebuild it. The stolen artifacts were restored, the ceiling repainted, the facade fixed. In 1995, it was opened for tours, although restoration work goes on to this day. But no matter what happens to the building itself, the ghosts remain. Coming up, we'll pay a visit to those lingering spirits. Now, back to the story. Today, the restored Yulia Hashdeu Castle is home to a museum telling the story of Bogdan, 
Yulia, and the house built to keep them together beyond the veil. Although if you enter after hours, you may hear the story from something else entirely. Mariana had taken the tour several times before. Her sister Elena was a tour guide after all. She knew that every staircase had only seven steps. She knew there were three towers and three underground rooms for varying spiritist rituals. She knew the building was built in this way because Yulia considered three and seven her magical numbers. But Mariana sensed that there was something more to the stories than the museum implied. Yulia Hashdeu was something of a prodigy when she was alive. She was a poet and spoke seven languages. At the time of her death, she was working toward her doctorate from the prestigious Sorbonne University in Paris. She was only 18. Mariana was in the latter half of her 20s and still lived with her sister. She could hardly hold a job, much less a boyfriend. Her sister still paid for her meals, and she found herself less and less motivated to leave the house. Whatever energy the Hashdeu castle had, whatever drove Yulia to constantly push above and beyond, Mariana wanted a part of it. Getting in after hours was easy. She had stolen cash from her sister's rooms countless times. Getting the keys to the castle was no different. In the day, Yuli Hashdeu Castle looked quaint and undaunting. It was the size of a large house, and its slab of a stone door almost looked inviting in the midday sun. But at night, it was foreboding. The towers stood in darkness, ominous against the backdrop of a starry night sky. Mariana had only just pulled into the parking lot, and she was already feeling the hairs raise on the back of her neck. She could always turn back. No, she'd already stolen the keys. She'd come too far. She had to know. She grabbed the one other tool she thought she'd need from her back seat. A Ouija board. It was, after all, a castle built for seances, and Mariana was determined to see this through until the end. She approached the castle, unlocked the big stone door, and stepped inside. A short entranceway opened up to the tallest tower, a room with a three-story ceiling and a massive statue of Jesus standing with his hands upraised and eyes looking to the sky. She quickly unlocked the door to the basement and pulled it open. She knew the staircase only went down seven steps, but she couldn't see past the first. A deep darkness seemed to ooze from the depths, much darker than she'd expected. She pulled out her Ouija board, sat cross-legged on the cold stone floor, and placed her hands on the planchette. She closed her eyes and called out to the spirits in the room. Mariana's hands began to move. There was something there with her. The air had changed in a way she could not quite describe. It sent a warm, 
almost pleasurable feeling down her spine. She dared not open her eyes, though. That's the one thing they always said in the tour. If the castle speaks to you, never open your eyes. Mariana called out, asking if it was Yulia. The air bristled, and the thing that touched her hands tightened its grip. It pulled on her, leading her. She allowed herself to follow. Something about the warmth of the thing affirmed her trust. She knew this was right. She knew things would change. But she did not dare open her eyes. She knew she was back somewhere in the entrance of the house. And then she was climbing again. Except now, there were footsteps following her. She could not tell how many or where they came from. They seemed to never get closer nor farther away. They just followed her, like a patient, terrifying metronome. Never open your eyes. When she reached the landing, the warm thing that held her hands stopped Mariana there and held her in place. But the footsteps kept coming. Then came the whispers. Then the terrible laughter. They were getting closer, the things on the stairs. Everything felt louder and louder, a cacophony of taunting noise, scaring her, tempting her. But still, the warm thing held her. It almost seemed to grip tighter. Mariana shivered and tried to hold her eyes shut tight. But now, she knew she needed to run, and she dared to crack one eye open. A glimmer of white was in front of her, but just as soon as she saw it, it vanished, and a daisy drifted to the floor. There was nothing on the stairs, nothing in the room with her at all. But then she saw the statue of Jesus. His head was turned 90 degrees, looking directly at where she stood on the balcony. Tears started to stream down Mariana's eyes. She wished she had not come here. The warm thing that led her turned hot. It made her feel almost sick. Now, its pull was demanding and not an offer. She found herself bending over and picking up the daisy. She brought it forward toward the statue, whose expression remained the same, but with a pivoted head looked entirely frightening. The hot thing brought her to her knees in front of that statue and made her bow her head, placing the daisy on the floor. Mariana's head grew light, her vision blurred, and when she looked down at her wrists, she saw four hands instead of two. Mariana blinked, and the four hands became three, two. Elena woke up the next morning to find her younger sister, Mariana, reading at the breakfast table. Odd, her sister almost always slept in late. 
They had one of their usual conversations about this or that, and Elena made herself a bagel. She sat down next to Mariana and looked at the book she was reading. It was old. For some reason, it looked very familiar to Elena. Yet, the words, they were in French. Mariana couldn't read French. Could she? Visitors to Yulia Hashdeu Castle have claimed to see the ghost of Yulia wandering the grounds in a dressing gown, and the ghost of her father Bogdan smoking his pipe or reading his works in his study, or the seance room in the basement. Some even claim to have seen the large statue of Jesus slightly move, although the presence of Jesus conflicts with some people's suspicion that the castle was built to worship the devil. Whether built to worship the devil or to commune with a deceased daughter, Yulia Hashdeu Castle stands as one of Romania's most mysterious monuments. Stop by to view the towers, the dome, the dark room, and a museum dedicated to the history of the Hashdeu family and their contribution to Romanian legend. Perhaps, if you're lucky, you could even commune with Yulia herself. Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. A new episode comes out every Thursday. Listen to all of ParCast's podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast directory. Many of you have asked how to help the show. And if you enjoy Haunted Places, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you listen. We'll see you next week. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Kenny Hobbs with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by Tom R. Pike. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>